everyone. Thanks for listening. This is Jessica and another episode of the Do Good Podcast. Um, and today, I actually brought my husband, Will. Um, we were foster parents about seven years ago, so talking about um, the foster care community um, is something that's really important to us and means a lot, so I figured he should be here as well. Um, and another reason we're doing this podcast is we are partnering with the National Youth Advocate Program, and we're hosting a chocolate walk in downtown Lebanon. Um, this will help us raise awareness on how to become a foster parent. Um, we're also going to do a toy drive to help with the holidays. Um, so it's going to be a good time. We're having it on November 18th from 11 to 4 p.m. Um, and we'll have like a link on the podcast so that you can get your tickets and register for it. Um, but today we have Adam Deirdrick with the Nash, or NYAPs. He's the Foster Care Growth Retention Coordinator in Southwest Ohio. We also have Diamond Carter, who is a foster parent for 12 years, and then she brought one of her former foster um, children, Miracle. So we're going to get to talk to all three of them today. Hey, one question yeah. before we get started. Chocolate walk. What is a chocolate walk? Oh, yeah. That'd probably be important. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people don't know what they are, but they're super fun. They're super fun. So it's a easy way just to kind of have fun with people you love and everyone loves chocolate um, for ten dollars you get to purchase a ticket and then on the ticket will list all the participating shops restaurants um, and then you'll walk around and go to each place get a little piece of chocolate you can stop at our booths learn a little bit about foster care um, if you bring in a toy then you can get a free ticket for the chocolate walk and all of this is really just a way to have fun around the holidays and to learn a little bit more about foster care. I'll add too that what's really nice about Lebanon is it has a lot of local shops, yep. local vendors. Yeah. So you get to shop local. Uh, it's And they have different items and gifts that you can buy for your family that you would never be able to pick up somewhere like Walmart or Target. Yeah. So it's, it's an opportunity to go and shop small yep. for the weekend and just have a really nice weekend with your family of holiday shopping. Yep. Yeah. Super good. Get your holiday shopping done. Super walkable too. Yeah. Like Lebanon, you know. It's a perfect little town for it. Walk a mile and hit 15 different shops. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, super cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Adam, before we begin, just tell us a little bit about um, the National Youth Advocate Program. Absolutely. So uh, National Youth Advocate Program is um, one of a handful of foster care agencies in the state of Ohio. Um, we take a really holistic approach to foster care management uh, when we're serving our foster families, our foster parents, and our foster youth. Uh, so we like to say, you know, it, it takes a village to raise a child, and we like to think that we're that village yeah. uh, so when we have um, foster parents with National Youth Advocate Program we surround them with a team of professionals um, all the way from licensing the parents to become foster parents uh, once they receive a placement we give them like a treatment coordinator that kind of acts as their liaison between job and family services and the courts and all of the resources that they have available to them um, while they have a child in their care um, we have have access to timely um, counseling services and therapy services. Um, 
we have respite care providers. So for example, if um, someone needs to go out of town for work or just for a family function, or if they just need a break, uh, we have respite care providers that can help with that. Um, we have mentor parents. Um, so parents that have done foster care for a long time. Um, and if we have new parents come into our program and they're kind of unsure about what to do or where to go or how to manage certain resources, we can give them a mentor foster parent to talk to, to kind of oh, talk through nice. these issues and questions. Um, so there's just a number of things and opportunities that we have with our team of professionals at National Youth Advocate Program to manage um, foster families and foster children. And then the other things too is we're kind of into having fun here. We like to have fun with our parents and, and give the, them and the children opportunities. So we have a lot of partnering agencies that we work with, uh, not only just job and family services, but we work with Kings Island um, down here in Cincinnati to provide day passes for uh, oh, the wow. foster children. We'll work with the YMCA to get them hooked up with rec passes for the season. Um, you know, we work with the Cincinnati Reds to go to ball games during the summer. So uh, just a number of different things that we'll try to do uh, to get our parents and children involved around their communities and, and also just have to have fun with them in the yeah. process. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and we were talking off camera, um, off mic earlier, but uh, really quick, can you tell everyone the difference between a private agency and going through a county adoption program? It doesn't have to be crazy detail, just like general general differences. Yeah, so I, I think the biggest difference is kind of post-licensing. Uh, so all the counties have a licensing program um, and we do have a licensing program here as well. We have a team of licensing people that will go from pre-service classes all the way through um, the home study and you know the licensure process. Uh, but really what makes NIAP stand apart is just that team of professionals that I was talking about. Uh, we like to think of ourselves kind of as a one-stop shop when it comes to foster care management, um, where we have the counselors and the therapists and family preservation therapy programs and, uh, you know, we have a treatment coordinator that can give individualized attention to our foster parents when they have questions, when they need resources, when they need transportation somewhere. Um, you know, it's very low amount, like lower, lower numbers when you think about caseload. And we're able to provide that individualized attention and those professionals around our parents. And I think that's really what makes us stand apart. And one thing that Jess brought up earlier, again, off camera, we should have should have waited, um, <laughs> but uh, she brought up is there a cost difference, right? Like if I'm a parent and I go through NIAP, is there a cost associated with that yeah. versus going through the county or is it? There are no cost differences between us or the county. Um, so, for example, you know, when we talk about getting our parents involved in pre-services, there's no cost or obligation to continue. It just really helps them to get those tools in their toolbox mm -hmm. to be able to figure out um, and, and learn what to expect 
when they're coming into foster care and foster care program. Um, and then as far as the services that we offer, you know, we talk about the per diems um, once they get a placement. Um, we follow what the county uh, does with their per diems. So really all of our, um, the, the services and fees are all the same. Uh, we just have the added, the, the added benefit of, of smaller caseloads. <laughs> and it seems more probably like a family, like you guys are all, together oh absolutely you know? and and that's what I love about NIAP is that you know we know so many of our foster parents we stay in regular communication with them uh, we have um, foster parent appreciation nights and parties and I know we got a Christmas party coming up here at the end of the year so um, that's super cool yeah so what does it take to become a foster parent so if you know, I'm sitting here listening and I'm like, oh, I want to be a foster parent, you know, where would I go or how would I become one? Absolutely. So the, the first step is really just inquire uh, locally and it could be to your county or it could be to an agency like ours. Um, I'm biased to an agency like ours, of course, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know, and really there, I mean, there's some state requirements that you have to achieve to become a foster parent. Um, a lot of it's background checks and things like that, but really it's just, are you able and willing to open up your home and support the child yeah. love and, and give the child the resources yeah. that he or she needs? I feel like it wasn't as bad as I thought, like when everyone's like, oh, you gotta do all these classes and all of these, you know, things and they're gonna come into your home and they're gonna look through and they're gonna do all those things and really, like yeah. I actually enjoyed the classes we went to. We did where we went on a Saturday and it was like a four hour. So we tried to like, it was like every other Saturday or something and we did it for like two, three months. Yeah. And I actually really enjoyed the classes. I felt like I learned a lot and it wasn't as bad and then when they came into the home study they're really just they they're not there to snoop and go through your chores and be like what what's that you know like it was really just like okay yes a child can live here and be safe and it was very it wasn't as intimidating as i originally thought it was going to be i like to tell parents that the licensing coordinator's job is to write your life story a lot of the home visit centers around um interviews with the parents yep. to kind of find out who they are and it really helps in matching a youth to a parent and finding the right match for the home. And so really that's the licensing coordinator's job is to write the parent's life story. And yeah. Well, and it's I funny, it, when, yeah. when Adam mentioned home study earlier, my brain started going off like remembering that. I remember we were like, super nervous about yeah. it for some reason. I'm like, I don't know why we're nervous. And then like, after she left, I was like, like, that was it. That, that was it? Yeah. It was, you know, just a normal yeah. conversation. And and I thought, too, you know, I mean, we've been together 15 years now, and we were married for maybe a year or two before we decided to become foster parents. And I feel like going through kind of that interview process with them and really talking to each other like, what do we want for our family? What, you know, you know, when you have to answer all of the questions, I felt like it got us on a really good like path together yeah. where we kind of knew exactly same page. Yeah. What kind of life we wanted, what we envisioned and everything. The difference was anytime we got a call, Jess wanted to take oh, any like, yeah. kid ever without question. Like <laughs> they would say, Hey, are you interested? Yes. Yes. Bring them over. You know, like, so I was a little more reserved. I'm like, well, hold on. What's the situation? What's the scenario? Are we equipped to handle this? You know, 
Um, but yeah, I feel like those classes, the classes and the conversations with everyone that we had to have conversations with got us on the same page and made us realize what we could handle and what we couldn't handle. Now, I love that you mentioned that too, because I, I think that when we're talking about matching and we're talking about the home studies and we're talking about these interviews, you do have to kind of find out, you know, not every parent is equipped for the same situation yeah. as another parent. And so you really yeah. learn a lot through these home studies about, like you said, what can parents handle? You know, yeah. can they handle a child that has higher emotional or behavioral issues? Mm -hmm. um, sure. Maybe a, a history of sexual or emotional abuse. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of tough things that and traumas that come with a lot of these foster children when they come into the system. Yeah. Uh, some parents can handle more than others. And I think that that's really important. Uh, yeah. And it's an important part of the home study uh, when you're doing these interviews to figure that out and figure out yeah. what kind of children they are equipped to bring into yeah. their there, home. It's even something as simple as age. You know, well, I, I didn't feel prepared for a newborn. To be <laughs> That's what we got, right? Yeah. Um, but if we if I look back at it, at that point in our life, there's no way we could have handled a 15, 16, 17-year-old. At that time, oh, no. we would have been a fish out of water, right? Now we look at it, and we've always talked about how we want to... When our girls grow up, we would like to do older kids. Yeah, because I, I feel like we can make impacts on that side. But yeah. it's like, you know, and again, in 10 years, it's like we probably won't be equipped to handle a newborn at that point. But we will be equipped for 14, 15, yeah. 16, 17-year-olds. I also think, you know, I am the type of person, like, you know, I, I don't want to let people down. I don't want to, you know... So when they called us, we got called twice before we got Lexi. Um, and when, you know, we talked about it and decided we couldn't handle, you know, the situation, I was like, I'm letting them down. I'm letting these kids down. But I never once felt judged by, like, the caseworker or anything. Like, they all seemed very, like, we understand. It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll call you with the next, you know, placement. And that was the one thing I was kind of worried about is, like, they're going to think I'm a horrible person because I can't. I can't take on, you know, it was like, I think our first call, it was like a family of four and it was taking all four and we're like, we, we've never even had a child. Like to go from well, none to four was like a huge jump. And I was like, we can do it. And he's family, like, let's. A family let's of four that had just experienced a major, yes, major tragedy and the kids were witnesses to it. So it was, it was a scenario that I don't think we could have handled yeah. at the time. But yeah, I just, I felt. Good. Like, I didn't feel judged, and I feel like that was, like, yeah. a really important thing. Yeah. I know. I feel like foster care has this, has this like, preconceived notion about it, right? Like, people, people think that they understand it without ever having been through it. And just from our experience, it's vastly different than what we were told Definitely. through the entire process, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So Yeah, and then talking about kids coming in, what usually brings a child into foster care? You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so um, a lot of people, you know, you were talking about, you know, people thinking they know what foster care is before they come into it or they just know about it. Um, a lot of people think that the primary reason that children enter foster care is because of child abuse, um, whether it's you know physical abuse or emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Um, actually, the main two reasons that people enter the foster care system is neglect and parental substance abuse. Um, and neglect is actually a very 
broad definition when it comes to child welfare. Um, it could really change from state to state or even jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Um, you could have um, a more rural area uh, that has smaller caseloads look into a home and say, this is a horrible situation. Uh, we need to remove the children from the home immediately, where you could have a major metropolitan area that has much larger caseloads or has seen a lot more situations and they can say, well, we've seen much worse in homes before. We're going to keep this family intact and just continue on. So the, the, the definition of neglect is very broad. It can change from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. Um, the other thing about it, too, is that neglect is, it's really doesn't, it's not always intentional. Um, yeah. And I think that sometimes when you think about foster care, you're like, well, these parents are bad people. They're not bad people. Anybody can run into a situation that can create neglect in the home. Yeah. You think about people that might struggle with a lack of resources. They might struggle with a lack of finances or they have trouble gaining employment. Um, they might have trouble with access to food, childcare, supervision. These things can happen to anybody at any time. Um, so that's really why it's one of the main reasons that we see uh, children entering foster care is because it really can happen to anybody and situations in people's lives change and they can change pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the main reasons. Um, the other primary reason, especially of late due to Ohio's opiate crisis, unfortunately, has been parental substance abuse. Um, it's nearly 50% of cases that one or both parents in the family are substance users or abusers. Um, so. Uh, and, and, and in fact, since the opioid crisis of those 50%, almost 30% um, have had a history of opioid use such as heroin, fentanyl, or prescription opioids. Yeah. Um, so those are really the, the primary two. And keep in mind too that it's, it's not just a big city problem. This is happening all over in every corner, the far reaches of the state of Ohio, yeah. um, which is why you know we are always seeking new foster parents um, and it's it's never a done deal where we say, oh, we have enough. We have plenty of foster parents now. Yeah. You know, situations are always occurring um, where even in the far reaches of the state, you know, we need a placement somewhere. Yeah. Well, you said something that like, if there's one message that I think anyone listening to this should get, it's that this entire process and entire system is filled with people. Like what ends up happening is when you're standing on the outside and looking in, and this was me too before we even got involved in foster care, you look in and you see this system, this machine that's running, right? There are kids that are being removed and there are kids that are being placed and it's this machine and it's cut and dry and black and white. Nothing in this is black and white, right? Everything is a shade of gray in this process in the sense that just like you said, there are some counties that would walk into a situation and they'd say, this is unlivable. And there are some counties that say, we've seen much worse. It's not a definition. It's not an absolute. It's a person making that decision, right? Same thing with caseworkers when they're having conversations with people. Same thing with judge, judges when they're making the decision, right? Everything is filled with people. And too often, I, I think it's like a lack of human 
element in this overall foster care process and, and journey. People don't treat other people like humans, right? Um, so I think if there's one message in my mind that should resonate with anybody thinking about foster care, or even just listening to this, it's that there are a whole bunch of people that are involved in this process. People make mistakes, people make bad judgments. We've all made mistakes and had bad judgment, right? So we can't really judge the process or the system of foster care and the same ones that we we might think. Absolutely. Yeah. And like we said, you know, people come upon hard times, you know, and it just happens to some people. It's yeah. nothing they, you know, through any fault of their own, you know, people yeah. lose their jobs all the time. Look at what happened during the pandemic. You yeah. know, everyone yeah. was working and then all of a sudden so many people were out of work. Yeah. yeah. And so. it's not because they don't love their kids either. Like no. when we went to court and, you know, the our daughter's parents were fighting like you could see and they loved those girls so much it had nothing to do with their love for them it was just the circumstances that they were under and not being able to get a hold of that and I think a lot of people like don't realize that like these parents love their kids like it's it's not just you know they're just not capable in that moment to be the parents that the kids need right but one human element that I think, and this was your idea, if anybody knows Jess, she likes to write letters. If you make me mad, I'm writing you a letter. I won't, I won't talk to you in person. Yeah, she'll write a letter. I have something I need. But when we were going through the process of, of going through the adoption process, ultimately, um, our caseworker said, you know, don't have contact with the biological parents. Like, you can meet with them, right, at the scheduled visitation times, but, like, don't build a connection, basically. Um, and Jess wrote him a letter. So first she, day I met him. First day she met him. <laughs> went against the grain completely. But the caseworker, I sent it to her first, and she read it, and because she's like, I need to read it first. So, you know, I'm not, you know, sending some kind of... And she's like, that's fine. Like, it was basically just a letter saying... This is Lexi, what she's been up to, and just know that I love her more than anything. And, like, she's – it was just – that was, was a nice letter just telling him that, about her. That's my point is it was, like, it wasn't this robotic communication between us and the biological parents. It was, like, hey, look, we know you love your kids. We also love your kids. They're in good hands over here. We're treating them well. They're doing this stuff, right? Um and just, I think that human contact yeah, went it made a long it more, way. I, I, don't know, I, I don't know. I made it just more personal, more yeah. human to, yeah. like, actually look their parents in the eye and give them a hug. And, like, you know, yeah. it's like we're forever bonded. Mm-hmm. You know, we both love the same child. And Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, we're. it's not like we have a great relationship with the biological parents. We hang out on the weekends. But... <laughs> We have this bond, like you said, like on the final court date where it was deemed that we were getting permanent custody, like the father was in the lobby crying and I like went up and gave him a hug and I cried right there with him. It's like, you know, it's, that's the thing. You don't know what you're, you don't know anything about foster care until you go through foster care. And I said this, I think I said this off camera earlier, is like I went into that court date super hardened and like, you know, 
didn't care what happened to the biological parents. Afterwards, I was a, not even afterwards, 10 minutes in, I was a sobbing mess, feeling terrible for them. Um, and, you know, afterwards we hugged and, you know, cried together. So that's the process is like, it's a very, it's a very human process. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I know foster, becoming a foster parent's not for everyone. It's, you know, it's, it's very hard and challenging and emotional. And um, so if somebody wants to kind of help, but they know they can't be a foster parent, what are some ways that people can help? That's a great question. So we, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways that you can support foster care without actually becoming a foster parent. Um, you can do something as simple as reach out to us to get a flyer to put up at your faith community or or just maybe at your job or at a school that your child goes to um, just giving the word out there even if you wanted to go to a coffee shop that you frequent and put it up on their community bulletin board mm -hmm. something as simple as that can create an enormous amount of awareness um, going on to social media and liking an agency like NIAP's Facebook page. Um, you know, that gets the word out about NIAP to your social networks. Yeah. Um, you could uh, go and, you know, look for uh, things like toy drives or things around the holidays where people are setting up benefits or giving trees that benefit foster youth and families. Um, you know, so just doing, you know, various donations to certain agencies or during certain drives during the holidays helps a lot. Or you could participate in awesome events like the Chocolate Walk. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that helps to benefit, you know, the proceeds from the tickets benefit foster families and children at Christmas time. And mm -hmm. obviously the toy drive benefits foster children at Christmas time yeah. as well. So there's just a number of things that you can do. Reach out to local agencies to find out what they have going on. Um, National Youth Advocate Program, uh, just down here in Cincinnati with my team, I think we've put on and been at about 40 events already, close to 40 events this wow. year alone. Um, so we like to maintain a presence that we'd have a, a strong grassroots effort, boots on the ground to recruit new foster parents. We're always out in the communities. Um, so if you would like to bring us into like your church on a Sunday to come have a speak about foster care briefly, or even just something as simple as setting up an information booth somewhere, mm -hmm. um, maybe at a school or, you know, at a church or at an event that you're hosting. Yeah. Um, yeah, that you guys go, were at our party at the Mac. We were at we your were party at the Mac and I was next to a booth with a bunch of puppies and kittens. So that was <laughs> the best day ever for me. And, uh, but we got a lot of great traffic that day we got a lot of parents come over and talk to us and and some of them did ask you know like well I'm not in a position to be a foster parent how can I help yeah, yeah. and and so there's so many ways reach out to us and we're happy to kind of extend those options out to them yeah. for sure awesome um, and then we were also kind of talking off camera so we became foster parents and our journey was pretty simple and you know we got Lexi, we ended up getting her two sisters, and within a year we had them adopted, and then we decided to put our um, foster care license on hold. Um, we didn't have any parent visits. We had, I think, two visitations with their parents. I mean, it was not a typical 
um, foster parent experience. So we are so happy that Diamond was able to step up so that she can kind of share, you know, a little bit more of what a typical foster parent's like. Um, She's been a foster parent with the National Youth Advocate Program since 2013 and has fostered over 48 children. Um, She's been an incredible advocate of foster caregiving throughout her journey as a foster parent, and she was recently a guest speaker at one of Governor Mike DeWine's press conferences back in the spring. Um, So I am so thankful that you were able to come and join our podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, So back in 2013, what made you choose to be a foster parent? Um, So I actually was a foster parent before 2013. Okay. I was in Columbus, so um, at that time I didn't. I wasn't aware of um, National Youth Advocate Program. I was um, I was with mentors, um, but at that time I saw my parents um, fostering because they were foster parents for about twenty years before I became one. But also, it was just so engulfed into our lives because my friends were foster kids. And so I grew up in the church and I had friends that were foster kids and I was young, but I didn't. So I didn't really know what that was until I got a little bit older. And um, my teenage friend that was a foster youth, she ran away from her foster home and ended up um, getting killed. And it changed my life. And I was just thinking, like, if only she had a foster parent that maybe could talk to her, maybe could, you know, really make her feel like that was her kid, mm-hmm. then maybe it would be different because I think um, my initial thought was because her foster parent was like 80 and she was mm-hmm. so, like 14, so it was a bit yeah. of a difference. And not to say you know anything is wrong with that, it's just about the fact that I think she needed probably something a little different. Mm-hmm. But long story short, it changed my life and ever since then I just had that longing to, I think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So. I initially started doing classes when I was 18 oh, wow. just to help with my mom's kids. Yeah. And then by the time I turned 21, I kept running from it and running from it until 28, I actually got licensed. Okay. Yeah. So you've had 48 total kids so far that's been in your care? Correct. Okay. How um, do you pick your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> right here. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, because I, um, the reason why the number is so high, I usually take in teenagers. Okay. Um, which is probably, um, statistically, I guess that's the roughest, the rough mm-hmm. age to get a lot of people kind of steer away from the teenagers because of, you know, rebellious issues and hearing all types of nightmare stories. But, um, that was actually something that I believed I was good at. I had a couple of little kids the first time when I became a foster parent and I was like, this is not it. So I truly believe that you have to know what you're good at and stick with that. And, um, so yeah, so I, out of 48, I just, every last one of them has changed my life. And that's amazing that you do order because, you know, I feel like when I think about foster care, that's what breaks my heart the most right. is these teenagers who just so desperately want to feel loved and a part of a family and to see a lot of them sometimes age out of foster care and have nowhere to go. Like yeah. that, I think to me, yeah. has always been something I've struggled with just because I'm like, I just couldn't imagine. Yeah. I agree. So this is an this is a very ignorant question that I have and I don't know who can answer this best, but so there are group homes still to this day. Mm-hmm. 
are those, the kids that are in group homes, are they actively seeking foster families? Or are they, are some of them not and they're just living in that home permanently until they're, they age out? I can tell you on my end that they are actually actively seeking homes. It's called a step down. Okay. Um, when they have uh, went through to uh, you know different levels or different stages of um, information and teaching, and you know they see their behavior that they can actually want to integrate into an actual family home versus a group home because the group home is usually based on behavior or there there's not a home for them at the moment but a lot of times with teenagers it's behavioral and so they just want to make sure that they are not you know putting them somewhere that it's going to be a horrible situation so most of my kids have come from a group home it's very rare that i get a kid that never went to one wow so what are what's been the biggest challenge with being a foster parent um, the biggest challenge um, would probably be the fact that you can't save everyone. Yeah. Um, that's the biggest yeah. challenge because I think any person that comes into and wants to become a foster parent, they initially think that I'm going to put on this cape and save the world. It's going to be so great. Yeah. And that would be me. Yeah. I'd be wearing that yeah. cape every day. And you're going to say yes to everybody. <laughs> yeah. and, and it's just going to be so wonderful. You're going to have a million kids and you're going to be like yeah. little house on the prairie. It's going to be so great. And then yeah. actuality comes in and you see that some people really just are not ready for what you're trying to bring into their life. They're not yeah. They're not ready at all. And that's the hardest part um, because, you know, like Miracle can tell you, I am so hands-on and I love every bit of it. I'm so hands-on because I really take the, the way that NIAP has taught us how to become great foster parents. I first teach kids, as soon as they get into my house, how to be a child because that is something mm. that they have no yeah, idea. I stripped from them. Yeah, a long they time have ago. no idea how to just be a child. We're going to work on the rest of the stuff after we learn how to be a child. And I did that with Miracle when she first came in. She was like, "What are you talking about, a child?" <laughs> like I said, you don't have to be responsible for your kids, or your brothers anymore. They're not your kids. You know, your sister is not your daughter. They're your brother and your sister. It's, you can be a child. And wow. then after that, that takes a huge weight off yeah. like them. And then how after that, it's the How old were you when you went into Diamond's home? I was 14. 14. Wow. Man, it's because we, with our, our daughters, we had something similar, obviously much younger, but like Addie, the oldest, was like... She was four, but she already had lost part of her daughter. She was the okay. one that took care of Anna, who's 11 months younger than her, right? And actually bigger than her. Um, but she was like the mom figure of the two. Um, and it took a long time of constantly reminding her, like, you're yeah. not Anna's mom. Like, you can, yeah. you know, you don't have yeah. to always be worried about what she's doing. And, you know, I love that you, you know, want to look out for her. But, yeah, I could tell even at four years old, she mm-hmm. was taking on a more motherly role than a sister role. Yeah, and if you don't correct that, it's nothing that you can instill into her to make that transition okay at your home. Yeah. It's not going to work because you're going to say stuff and she's going to just think about, I have to I have to be here and be take care of them. I have to be, you yeah. know, make sure they're good. And nothing really sticks because they're so distracted by being a mother. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so How, that's why that was so important. What's the most foster children that you've had at one time? Um... 
So right now I have a, a household of eight kids. And they're um, all like teenagers mostly? I have four that's um, not a teenager and the rest are all teens. Wow. Um, and then the most I've ever had was 10 okay. kids at one time. And this was wow. like maybe a year ago. A year ago we had 10 all together. That's wild. So mm-hmm. I can barely So that's my head that's the too. max. <laughs> that's the max um, kids you can probably have in your house anyway at one time or through foster care at least. And um, but yeah, so we definitely maxed out. Do you find that they bond and take care of each other a lot of the time? Like is that I make sure of it. Yeah. I make sure of it. I it's crazy because depending on who has mentored you as a foster parent, usually the kind of like the old school season vets of foster mm-hmm. parenting, they kind of like divide and conquer. Don't get them too close together. They'll kind of overtake your home yeah, and do all this. Against they're, you. they're conspire <laughs> against you. And so that's what they taught me. And I, and I let that kind of go on for like the first 30 days. I'm like, that is not working. Yeah. That is not working at all. So Literally after that, in 2013, a month later, I was like, okay, we're going to have to bond together. And so she she can tell you, they are together. Every, I mean, we, we do everything together. I mean, of course, they have their independence and, mm-hmm. you know, go. But for the most part, we try to make sure that they understand what a brother and sister is beyond the blood. Yeah. Um, because, again, they have to learn how to be a child. They have to learn how to be a sibling. Yeah. Or they can't. That's, it's no family home. <laughs> they yeah. might as well go yeah. to a group home. Right. Yeah. So I have to instill that. And so, yes, they do take care of each other um, immensely. I mean, of course, they pick with each other and all that like siblings do. But, I mean, push come to shove, they're there. That's what, like, to me, kids in that situation that fight with each other is a good thing, mm-hmm. right? It shows, like, they they're actually... They're comfortable with each other. They're comfortable, they, they can, care, you know, right? let their guard down a little bit when they are able to yeah. do that. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. So what's been like the biggest reward of being a foster parent? Um, The biggest reward I would say is just having a big family. I never thought that I would have a big family to to be honest I did not like kids growing up <laughs> and as a teenager I did not like kids I never wanted to hold anybody's baby or anything of the yeah. sort. it was just not my thing and then as I became a foster parent and I just kept getting kid after kid and I actually seemed like I was pretty good at you know raising kids I'm like this family's getting pretty big <laughs> and it's actually exciting because we you know do a lot of things together so I think the reward itself was the family I never that was not my idea I thought I was putting my cape on saving the world I didn't yeah. understand that I would actually have a family I know so like how does the holidays work all 48 kids come back and <laughs> <laughs> all sit around you have a big meal to cook right right <laughs> so usually um it's eight um eight kids in my house it's usually nine of us because I have do have one um, one kid outside the home, but she lives in the same city. She just moved um, to the city with us. So when it comes to me and the kids, like this is, it's either all or nothing. Meaning, if you come to my house at fourteen, either you're gonna be in my life forever, or you're probably not gonna be in my life for very long. And so that's how it is. Like it's no like, you know, foster care three to six months. Uh-uh. Yeah. We don't do that. You leave my house. I'm going to talk to you. We're going to conversate. You're going to come back. I'm going to move you into college. I'm going to, you know, help you out. That's what, that's what we do. And so, you know, it's kids that, you know, I, they had um, invited one of my kids um, today. And she came to my house at 17. Now she's 
24 and she's married and you know yeah. got a degree and just all these different types of things and I was there to be able to see all of those so holidays we're, we actually just booked all the tickets to go to Disney World for Christmas awesome. so we used wow. <laughs> yeah so everybody's really excited about that but yeah holidays are are everything we we all get together and just have fun that seems like that's awesome. awesome I'm all about fun I'm like yeah the more people the merrier He's like, he's like, <laughs> talk to us more about the bad things. <laughs> we have three. We're, we're good for now. For now. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I can, you know, it's not like everything is all just like amazing. It's when those hiccups happen, because I call it hiccups. I don't like to ever call anything problems. Um, I try to be very positive. So, um, but hiccups. I have to nip them in the bud immediately, especially with teenagers. Mm-hmm. If you let anything go on longer for what it needs to be, oh, you just signed your own certificate. Yeah. I'm like, how do you not lose control with a bunch of teenagers? Oh, because I feel like my nine and eight year old. Sometimes I'm like, oh my god, I, I I've lost control. They're like, they already have so much <laughs> no. attitude. Like, yeah, like, but I, I just for me, what works for me, and I don't. Everybody's different. I have to solve the issue immediately i don't care if my kid comes in the house and they look they're looking down and they don't look me in the eye and they Mm -hmm. see me i know it's a problem we talk about it immediately i it's too many people in the house and too many different personalities to let things just linger because if somebody is normally does a certain routine and then they switch up even for a second even for a day there's something that needs to be talked about and so I'm the type of person, and, and you know, maybe it's the God in me or whatever. I have really good discernment. So the kid comes and he go, walks past me. Okay, something's not right. And so, hey, how was your day? You know, something you want to talk about? And they usually, you know, tell me because if they don't, I just will figure out what it is and I'll talk about. It. We're going to talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to talk about. Talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about it. And That's so, me. That, yeah, yeah. You don't want to talk about it at first. Jess, <laughs> Jess needs some time to. I need to process it. She's got to process. I'm like, there's a problem. Mm, there's what a problem. Doing? What we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I write them letters. <laughs> she tends to let us, like, she give us two minutes to solve it on her own or, like, let go of things. But after yeah. that two-minute threshold, it's over with. She's yeah. talking with everybody. Yeah. Was, and the like same thing if situation. they argue with each other. Oh, I let them do their thing for about a good five minutes, say whatever they want to say. Public, you know, speak. Um, as long as it's not something that's detrimental to somebody's... Um, you know their self-esteem but they they hash it out you have five minutes you better get over it within five minutes or then I'm coming in but I I like for them to live of course but yeah. there are certain things that we cannot have yeah. it's that extra baggage that you could just release well you can talk to me Naya trained me very well I can I can handle yeah. this problem yeah. and then the caseworker or the TC or the psychiatrist or the counselor we can get the rest done but Right now, we need to get um, get it off your chest so you can have some relief. Yeah. yeah, have you ever been super overwhelmed that you're like, I can't do this anymore? Absolutely. It's been two times. <laughs> and since 2013, it's been two times. I can remember exactly those two times. And it's usually when something happens where a kid has to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually how that works. Um, and because I get teenagers, and I usually get um, more difficult teenagers, if that makes sense, um, they have they need more care. I get runners. It's usually very rare for someone to just have to get removed from my home. 
if they if things don't work out, they will run away because again, they have such high respect for me. They can't just come to me and say, you know, things are not working out or anything. They will go and run to you know a friend's house, a boyfriend, or you know whatever. But they'll they'll run, and so those type of situations can be very overwhelming because they usually run to something bad. It's mm-hmm. never something good. And not having that control, like. Exactly. Yeah, I would so struggle. to have a kid for like four years, five years, and then they run off, it's very, it's very Emotional. hard. It's very, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm definitely human. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> so, you gotta guard your heart. Correct. Like, there's only so much of your heart you can just like give out to everybody. Correct. And then, you know, to see something that's out of your control and feeling so helpless, like, I yeah, can, I could see how I, yeah, you yeah. could definitely get overwhelmed. So how did you overcome that? those feelings of, you know, when I'm overwhelmed and I can't do this? Um, I would say, um, God, I mean, that's pretty much the only thing that it could be is God, because you put so much of your heart, soul and effort and time and all those things into someone and it does not work out and you don't understand, you can understand why, but you're just like, what was it all for? And just being able to get revelation that it those are seeds that you sown. They will sprout. You might not see the manifestation of it now, but it will in the future. And they yeah. will always be able to look back and say, somebody really cares. Somebody really loved me. They took the time out to do this, that for me. And they're going to always remember that. And even if they don't remember, they're going to remember the things that, you know, that I said and that I yeah. did. They're so, going to remember that, the feeling. The feeling. Yeah. And so, feeling. The, so those are the things that help me um, get over that. But it's, I cannot explain. I, yeah, I can't. You have to go through it to be able to understand what that is like to have someone for years, and it they get removed, they get they run away, or they yeah. you know pass away, all those type of things. Because I even mm. experienced that before, and it's just yeah, mm. yeah. I thought our little we only were on our journey for a year and a half, and I was like, this is the biggest roller coaster I've ever been on. <laughs> yeah. Like so, to have that many kids. And to be on your journey as long as you have, I mean, that's yeah, it's amazing that you've been able to do that. Uh, it takes a very special person. Oh, thank you. And, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I mean, unreal. <laughs> unreal. I think one of the biggest things that I even uh, talked to my husband about this, I'm like, do you know what some teenagers are doing right now? Like, I feel so blessed because there is teenagers that's really... I mean, the substance abuse, the alcoholism, yeah. just all these different types of things, um, the sexual perversion, just a whole lot of different things going on. And I am not experiencing that. So every day I'm just so thankful. Yeah. I'm thankful. You know, bring home your D. We can we can solve that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bring home your D or your report card. We can get that together. But I just thank God that you're, you know, you're, it could have been worse. Yeah. Everything could have been worse. So I'm, I'm just completely thankful. Um, so what have you found most helpful working with how so national youth but I keep hearing you say in in that in that NIAP okay so that's the abbreviation for it National Youth Advocate Program it's quite a mouthful so we shorten it to NIAP okay Uh, NIAP okay I'm trying to say that so what have you found the most helpful like working with them um wow First and foremost, I wouldn't be a foster parent if I wasn't working through that app. I can tell you right now, I probably would have gave up my license a long time ago mm-hmm. because it takes a certain special group of people in order to make this ship run 
properly without a whole lot of disruptions and everything. So when they say that um, National Youth Advocate Program is a family, that is an understatement. It is truly a family. No matter, I just moved to um, Montgomery County like less than a year and I am closer to them than probably even my old county. I mean, not, not to say that it was something wrong with them. Yeah. No, it's just that great. It only gets better. And it's like, it's, a, it's amazing. So I don't even think it was just each individual person. I think it's the company in itself that yeah. makes people want to do great for these kids. You feel valued. Yeah. You feel listened Correct. to. You feel. Yeah, and it's not just for me. It's the kids as well. They really care. They, will sit up, they don't have to sit at my house as long as they do. Sometimes they're there for like three, four hours. Like, jeez. <laughs> but they care so much. And they play games with them. They, you know, go out to Myers and see if they can find something that brings something in. It's just so amazing. It yeah. really is. So if I, I would not be in this position if it was not for NIAP, I would have been quit. Yeah. And imagine all those kids that wouldn't have had you then. Yeah. If, you know, you didn't have for them sure. to lean on. For sure. Because everybody needs somebody to lean on. Nobody can do this alone. Yeah. Because I was just like I was saying earlier, caseworkers, they're overwhelmed with so many kids. So I cannot even try to call them as much as I would you know, possibly want to, but I don't even necessarily mm -hmm. need to because I'm, you know, one of those people, we're going to get to the bottom of, we're going to figure this out and I'll talk to them when I talk to them. But NIAP is always my first go-to and they usually solve the issue before I even have to get to the caseworker. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, well, anything else that you think, like somebody who's wanting to be a foster parent, like that they should consider before becoming a foster parent? Any, um, If you are considering um, becoming a foster parent, the only thing I would tell you to consider is making sure that you have a life. Because if you do not have a life, you will be miserable. <laughs> you will be miserable because you will think that you're going to save the world. You think you're going to create a life when the kids come. No, you have to incorporate them and bring them into your already mm -hmm. established life. Or you will not have one yeah. because you're going to be so overwhelmed and distracted, and the kids are going to be so bored they're going to drive you crazy. <laughs> I feel like yeah, I feel like that's really good advice. Yeah, you they know, have like, to have a life because I can see how a lot of people would think like, oh, I'm going to have a life once I have all these kids mm -hmm. in my house. But it's like they need to f to have like a routine and already yes. and to feel included yeah. and yes. brought you're, in. You're sharing yourself with them. Yeah, you're sharing. Correct. You're not, not you know, oh, no, now that you're here, let's, no. let's have this life. And it's like, no, they need that. Yeah, so my kids, they get, to, they get to see how I live and all the trips that I go on and all the things that I do and I bring them to my work and I, you know, that's how she became an entrepreneur because I was an entrepreneur and so I helped her establish her own business. It's just one of those things that they don't need to see what they've already saw, which is boredom. They need to see your life, yeah. <laughs> how great you are, how wonderful your life is, how yeah. was your childhood? Show me that. I've yeah. never heard that advice. That is, that's really good. Really good mm -hmm. advice. You were super good at that because you have. We have a hundred nieces and nephews <laughs> who just did every every sporting event ever for all the kids so like as soon as our girls came into our house it was like just like all right we're going here we're going there we're going here we're yeah going i mean there. she was like it was a couple months old i'm like at the football fields with her like yeah let's go <laughs> let's go you know like yeah so that is that's really great advice mm -hmm. it I've has never to heard happen that. 
Yeah. You leave a kid in their room too long and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see yeah. what happens. I know. Um, but yeah, I want to talk to Miracle for a little bit. So she is one of your former foster kids. Um, you graduated in 2023 from Wayne High School. Um, and you're also an entrepreneur. You launched a nonprofit called Platters for You. Um, that helps children get what they need when they go into foster care. And then you were awarded a Teen Entrepreneur Award in 2021. Um, and now you're at University of Dayton studying to become a dietitian. Mm-hmm. So everything you had said seems like it's working because it seems like she has <laughs> turned out to be an amazing young adult. Like that's a huge yeah. accomplishment at your age to have all of that. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. For I know. That's Thank awesome. You. Yes. Um, but you were telling us at 14 is when you came into Diamond's home? Yes. Right? So are you, are you open to like talk a little bit about what that was like when you were 14 and coming in yeah. to foster care? Um, well, when I came into my mom's house, I call, I call her my mom because mm-hmm. she, she is my mom. Yeah. Um, it was like life altering. Like, like, like she said earlier, I had the mindset of like I am the mother I need to do this and do this and do this and do this like I couldn't like sit down like I was I was like I had so much responsibility that I I didn't have to I didn't have to have on my shoulders Mm -hmm. so like coming into her home and be getting a chance to see what a family is and how everybody's roles are with each other it was really amazing but scary so yeah did you have how many younger sisters so did it was it you and then your younger siblings that came too yes okay how many oh uh, it was one boy one girl one boy and one girl mm-hmm. yeah and yeah and uh yeah without without my mom teaching me to be a child I would I, I was 14 I had like a 30 year old mindset like yeah. it was like you're the mother if I tell you to do something you do it and they have to do that. So, so how did you let that go? How did how did you, you know? Because I feel like at fourteen years old, like you probably have been doing it for a really long time, and I, 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 I don't, I don't know how somebody could just like let that go. So how was that? I mean, it was really challenging because, yeah. like, I was we were we were in foster care when I was seven, and we were going in and out. So I had that mindset for seven to eight years. So it was like. What are you talking about? <laughs> go, go to, uh, go to the amusement park with your brothers and sisters. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't do this. Like, what, like, what am I supposed to do? So, like, the whole togetherness and like, you're not going to be in your room. You're not going to be isolated. You're going to be around everybody. You're going to talk. You're going because I was very shy and closed off, and I was like, I'm yeah. not talking because I don't. Why, why, you had to guard yourself. Talking? You had to yeah. protect yourself. Yeah. So being around everybody and seeing the different roles like at the time I would separate her biological children from us because I didn't have the mindset that like blood is blood but at the same time if it's not separated in the household from the parents why are you separating it Mm. so once I got over that everything was like all fell into place yeah do you remember like a specific point when the weight kind of came off your shoulders or was it like a gradual over time I mean it was 
it was like it was like two gradual over time. So it was like one was like, okay, my biological mother, cool person, not fit to be a parent. So I let that go. But then it wasn't until like maybe my sophomore year of high school, I was like, what am I doing this for? I'm tired. I'm like mm-hmm. sixteen. Why am I? Yeah. Why am I doing this? I don't have to. I just let everything go, and then by that time I was with um, mom for like three to four, two to three years, and I was like, let me listen to her. She she knows what she's talking <laughs> she about. Know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, how long it takes? <laughs> let me listen. Patience is a virtue. <laughs> like, let me listen because obviously she knows what she's doing and what she's talking about, and you don't have to be hard headed, miracle. Like I'll have these daily conversations with myself, and it really wasn't until all that time where I was like. Why are you fighting it? Just mm-hmm. well, just stop fighting it. I can tell you are mature beyond your age because at 16 you realize that. Normal 16-year-olds are like, you don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, that's really that's really interesting that, I mean, it took a, took a few years to hit, but once it did, it just, I mean, you shouldn't be 16 and tired. You yeah. Know? Like, it's should have all the injury in the world, you know? It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so how did you, so was it after you finally decided to listen to Mama that you were like, okay, I'm going to now start my own nonprofit? Now that I got that weight of job, <laughs> let me add some yeah. entrepreneur. Uh, no, it's, it was close to it, but no. Yeah. Um, I was, I was um, very nervous about like high school like I don't know what it was about me like it was like I don't want to go to high school because yeah. I didn't want to go to college either I didn't think I would be able to do any of this I didn't think I'd be able to graduate so for me to hear mom she's like go because I used to ask her every day you remember can I, mm-hmm. like can I stay home can I stay home <laughs> she's like no <laughs> and it's not that I have a problem with school or anything like that it was more so I felt a very big disconnect with everybody that was there so yeah because you were so much like more mature and older yeah so like sophomore year I like dropped my guard song and Mm -hmm. I was like okay and mom she was working and she was like I need someone to take some pictures so she like she 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 brought me along and I was like okay I take some pictures she taught me how to take pictures she taught me how to be around people and be social with people and I was seeing all the things that she was doing and how all the lives that she was helping and changing. I was like, this seems great. <laughs> how do I do this? So I was I was taking notes and um, around that time I had started cooking like at home and it was her birthday and our dad, he was like, I'm on cater. I was like, no, you should let me cook. Let me cook. I mean, let me let me let me see show, let me show you what I can do. Yeah. And he trusted me to do that. And ever since then I've been graciously enough allowed to cook and I got certified as a chef and That's awesome. I have a nonprofit, I have a business and it's all just for them. So I now mean. are you cooking for all the holidays? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, those numbers it's 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 Yeah, it's big. 48 that's a big. So tell us about the nonprofit. What is it? How can people connect? And then also you're an entrepreneur, should we talk mm-hmm. about that too? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about yours first. Tell us about the nonprofit. Okay. Um, my nonprofit, Miracles from Miracle, is a nonprofit that I started to help 
um, other foster youth, whether it was former, current, or after, like wherever your stage was for you. Like if, like for instance, I did, I partnered with um, NZ Enterprises, which is my mom's business, and we gave a check to a former foster, no, not a current foster child that was going into college at my previous high school to so he can um, get ready for college because he was a senior. So we come together and we talk to the child and we see where we can help and where they need help in and we step in as best as we can, whether that's time or that's um, money or friendships or we just, we come together, we treat everybody as families, like as close as family as possible as long mm-hmm. as they allow us to come into their lives cool. and be like that. That's awesome. Where can people learn more about it? Um, I'm working on the website, so Facebook as soon as page. Facebook page. I do okay. have a Facebook page. Cool. It's um, under Plattes for You. It's uh, P L A T T E R S F O R Y O U. Um, yeah, so it's a link underneath, and okay. everything that you need to know is in there. Yeah, we'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, we'll link it in the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Cool. So what do you do? <laughs> so before I get into that, I just wanted yeah. to say it's extremely important that if you do have kids, especially kids in um, foster care, that you know they come into your life for a short period of time. But if you are a person that can kind of discern and see what someone is good at, then make sure you let them know because sometimes kids won't know what they're good at. And one day I told her, she was like in ninth grade, and I was like, you look like a chef for some reason you look like a chef and she never cooked and she was like I actually know how to cook and she started cooking that day wow. and I mean it just it yeah, was can you imagine where if you, if and if your husband didn't allow her Correct. to take that responsibility of cooking the meal and was just like no we're gonna mm-hmm. go ahead and get a caterer like yeah just having somebody trust in you yeah makes you just blossom yeah really that was does. that was a big thing for me like like that was like Oh, you trust me to cook yeah. for? It was like twenty-five people that came over. Mm-hmm. I was like, "You, tr- I've never even cooked anything for you. You just trust me." I really, that really touched me. And another thing that touched, I, I was a little rebellious, as she said earlier. But you remember, I was, I didn't want to cook. I was like, "No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no." <laughs> and then I was like, "What can I get you for your birthday?" And I was like. Let me cook. Let me let me let me let me do what she said I can do. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's I was very grateful for that. Well, that was probably the best birthday present. Now seeing you blossom into this chef and everything yeah. that you're doing, correct? All because you know you did trust. You had trust and believed in her. That's so, awesome. Yeah. But yeah, um, so Energy Enterprises, um, event coordinating and also marketing. So she was able to come with me. Um, I brought. I always brought all the kids along to any event that I was um, hosting or um, coordinating so they can help out or just see um, so they can be able to connect with people and that they wouldn't normally connect to on their regular everyday life. Um, just kind of get their um, their communication skills up, their uh, being able to be social, dress up a little bit, see different um, environments. So I took them everywhere, including her. I actually made her my personal assistant first because I wanted her to start working mm-hmm. and really start to see things in a different lens. And so that's how she, her catering came along. So um, now that I have the eight kids and I have a, a little one, he's about three, 
Um, I slow down a lot when it comes to event coordinating and moving to the Dayton area, but um, I do plan to pick back up. I just do more with marketing now, but um, I do plan to pick that back up. But for right now, it's just like it, I'm more concerned with helping the kids kind of yeah. cultivate their thing. I feel like it's such a big thing for parents to get their kids involved mm -hmm. with work. Like, Correct. they don't have to... You know they don't have to do what you do you know like the old the old way of looking at it is you know your dad's a doctor and he wants you to be a doctor right, right? like that that's like not it like the goal is show them what you do so they can experience Correct. what it's like to work like with our girls i've told all of our girls already nine eight and five i've said by the time you exit high school you will have started your first business i don't care what it is you can be a dog walker, you can be a coach, Correct. you can be a newspaper, throw out the window, I don't care what it is, right? Mm -hmm. But we'll build a website, we'll create an LLC, we'll do all of the stuff that will help you build those skills and be confident in, in yourself. And I feel like that's such it. a big part of... Yeah. And they're a big part of Do Good. It's the yeah, whole reason we huge. created Do Good was, you know, I loved helping people and I wanted our girls to see that, like, there was good in the world, mm -hmm. even though what had happened to them, you know, you know, even though they were young, they still remember, they still have feelings, they still carry that weight. I wanted them to see like there's good in the world and you can do good. Correct. So yeah. they they, you know, are at all of our events selling lemonade, yeah. wearing their t shirts, handing out flyers, like doing all of that and that's when we first started in the house before she did anything. Um, when she was in eighth grade, they all I had them all for like two years do their <laughs> own business in the house and sell to each other ah, so, so they can get a fundamental grasp on entrepreneurship. Yeah, so yeah. one person, if one person sold the chips, someone else had to do the drinks and someone else had to do the snacks and, and all of the above. And they all did that. And by the end, like they were selling each other their business because they were still over it. <laughs> They were so over it. The last one standing was my seven-year-old that actually was the only one that never sold his business. And was But I wanted them to understand that if you want to work and if you want to be your own boss, like, you know, so many people want to do, it's not as easy as one would think. And I wanted to start in the house to let them know, okay, now I want you to start thinking about what you actually do want to do when you yeah. get older. It's cool. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so I don't, especially with the kids that I get in, I don't push them out real quick and say, now you got to go work at McDonald's and see. Yeah. No, take your time. What is the per diems for if you got to go and freaking work yeah. like a, like a crazy person? What yeah. are we what are we teaching these kids? You know, yeah. give them a chance to be a kid. Give them a chance to you know to learn how to actually be a fundamental person yeah. in society. You're yeah. constantly on that survival <laughs> yeah, mode. How are exactly. you going to grow and learn so, and no. figure out so, what you want to be? <laughs> and to me, it's it's less about like you need to go work and earn money and more about you need to find what you love. Correct. And try a bunch of different things. Yeah. You know, and, and just find what you're passionate about. How can you do that if you're at Burger King all day? Right. <laughs> you know, it's not going to happen. So I make sure they don't do that. So I have a YouTuber that he believes he's a YouTuber and he's posted videos and TikTok and this thing every day. I have a <laughs> six foot seven kid that says he's an NBA player and he plays basketball at the school I just whatever they say they are I believe it for them they believe it and we're gonna keep pushing them until they you know and so whatever happens the same thing with her and just you know that's what we're doing yeah 
That's awesome. Yeah, because uh, I changed my. Yeah, <laughs> I went through a lot of. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Funny story. She, she first came to my house and she said, "I want to be a rapper, and I'm the type of person just like you are." Put your money where your mouth is. I'm taking you to a studio. And I kept saying, okay, so go ahead and freestyle. She was looking crazy. She was nervous. So now we can get that out of your system. That's not what you're doing. <laughs> because if, not, if you don't do that, now four years she's thinking she's going to be a rapper. And that's yeah. why she hasn't got her life started. Oh, no, we're going to go ahead and put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. Okay, I just, we just yeah, got done. Problem solved in three months. <laughs> yeah. We just got done saying we need a jingle for our podcast. So if yeah. you want to rap something. <laughs> We can put it in. <laughs> no, I stick to the instrumentals. I play a ton okay. of instruments, but the vocals, not, it's not my thing. It's not, okay. All right. It's not my thing. So, yeah, if anybody wants to know how to go ahead and get rid of somebody's horrible dream, <laughs> shove them right, right, in. right into it. Yeah. Say, let's go and do it. it. Full force therapy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Full force. She was like, see. Um, awesome. Is. Yeah, well, I don't know, I guess to wrap things up, so anybody have any, do you have any advice for foster parents? Um, my advice would be to, like my mom said, know your strengths and know who you can, like what you can handle, but also, um, like, know that at least in my situation, know that just to be patient and they will gradually come and it will be worth it. Just yeah. be patient and have God in your life because it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I, I put mom through a roller coaster and I'm just very <laughs> grateful and gracious that she stuck by me and she has helped me come so far and that she's continuous uh, and she's still by my side. So. Can you imagine two years, someone not listening? Like, for the whole two years? <laughs> it was like an everyday thing, because it was, it, was, it was so bad. I'm just, it was, it, was, it was so bad, and I was thinking about it, because I was like, why would I, do, why did I do that? Like, I feel really bad for what I did. And, and if I knew what I know now, then yeah, I would have changed so much. Here's my reply to you as a previous foster parent adoptive parent at this point don't feel bad because you've already forgiven everything that she's ever done and ever could do you know it's you can't feel bad about that stuff that was just a part of your journey and then life you know correct now the sky's the limits you're young (laughs) which is why we get taught this this is why um it's not easy to just give up it's one thing to not listen, but it's a whole other thing to you just could not retain the information that I was even talking about. You were de- dealing with your own internal battles. So how could you, mm-hmm. right. what I'm saying can't even reach any, it's just reaching the surface. Yeah. You were yeah. dealing with your own thing. So I, I have to let you process this. So how, right. how are you so patient? <laughs> like how, like what what's the secret? I need the secret. Because I feel like, you know... I don't know. I feel like I need to work on my patience. Well, I and think um, what is the secret? Like I said, I've mentioned God before, but also on the you know just strategically, you gotta be you gotta really study psychology. 
Um, if you study psychology and you love the mind, mm-hmm. it's fun. It's a great thing. So they're thinking that they're trying to be rebellious, and I'm like, okay, I'll give you about three months, and everything's going to be just fine. I literally, there. yeah, I literally <laughs> can like pinpoint every uh, breakthrough. And I'm right on target. I can pinpoint every problem, and I'm right on point because, again, if you're going to do this, you're going to do have to do it well. You have to yeah. really understand that. Take the information that NIAP gives. Do your own research as well, mm-hmm. and understand that each and every individual kid had their own battle, has their own demons, and have their own things that they're going through, including myself. And why are you here with me? We have to be. It's something yeah. there. And yeah. so, if you're here with me, that means. There's something I can give you, and there's something that you can give me. And with that, creates patience because it means you're supposed to be here. So yeah. Let's, yeah. let's, you know, find some laughter in between this, you know, the process of you figuring out who you are and what's going on. Yeah. Well, I'm so thankful you came because I think yeah. you've definitely inspired me to how we talked about wanting to foster teenagers to eventually open that box back up yeah, because do it. I mean just listening to her and seeing the difference you made in Miracle and the person she's now like becoming because of just your love is pretty inspiring. Yeah, yeah. I think the only thing that you could lose when you love teenagers is they might leave. But it's like if you could just get instilling mm-hmm. them some nuggets that's all you need to do because they're going to be better off for it the society is going to be better off for it yeah if you love you cannot have a horrible experience with foster care if you love if you do not love you can have a very horrible experience and yeah. you will take the whole system and make it all seem like it was bad but you just didn't yeah. know how to love yeah. but Kids are very, very intuitive. They know when somebody cares, and they respect it, and they respect it 100%. There's no way around it. Happy yeah. foster parents make for happy foster kids. Yeah, yeah. it's true. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. I, knew, I knew she loved us, and she cared for us. Same thing with our, my dad. More so, it wasn't myself. I was fighting myself with trying to separate my mom and then my biological mother that was the biggest thing and mm-hmm. I felt and it wasn't even it wasn't like about my biological mother saying da 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 and then mom saying da 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 it was me it was all yeah. me in my own mind and what I thought was right <laughs> feeling Teenage. guilty of, yeah of how can I care about somebody that's not blood and you know, I have this, um, my blood biological mother over here, and I'm supposed to, I can't yeah. love this person or care about this person more, and you're not. You care about both. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. the circumstance. You have to know the it. role. Yeah, the role accepting of it. The mayor life and the role mm-hmm. that you are in their life. Yeah. So. I always tell my girls it's okay to love two moms. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. wrong. Yeah. Two things can be true. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, awesome. Well, I don't know how we follow this podcast. I know. I mean, you guys are awesome. Thank you so much for coming in. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and hopefully we'll see a lot of you guys at the Chocolate Walk. And I'm sure I would like to do another podcast, you know, with maybe a group of foster children just to get their perspective on everything. And um, I think a lot of people could learn yeah a lot for sure it. because I think a lot of people have 
um, what's the word? Like their ideas of yeah, different perspectives. But I think a lot of times people have like a negative mm-hmm. outlook on it, and yeah. I would really like to sit down and discuss like all of that and podcasts in the future. Yeah. Yeah. All right. See you at the chocolate walk. <laughs> See you at the chocolate <laughs> walk. <laughs> all, right. all right. Thanks. Thank everyone. you guys. Thank you. Guys. Thank you.